pleasing to see uh, you here on, the, on such a day. And uh, so, so wonderful, so great. If you haven't been in church before, um, a special welcome to you. So good to see you. Um, what we're going to read now is from, from the Bible. And we're going to read John 12. And we'll pick it up from verse 12. And really need you to be in the Bible. If you can share someone else's or look on your phone. John 12 and verse 12. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your King is coming, seated on a donkey's cot. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was, was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now I wanted to talk to you this morning about um, faith. Uh, I wanted to ask the question, what is true faith? And uh, this is tremendously important for us as a church because we're, we're here on Sunday mornings really uh, encouraging one another to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're particularly interested in people who are not Christians uh, and who have not uh, come to Him in repentance and in faith. And we want to always encourage you to do that because in that there is life, eternal life. So, so much um, the Bible says depends upon this being so in our hearts that we come to believe on our Lord Jesus Christ because therein is life. Um, you know, at the moment, it is definitely winter, isn't it? <laughs> no doubt about it. At the moment, in August, it's come for vengeance. Um, and, um, you know, there it is. When I was in my garden yesterday and doing some weeding and cleaning up um, for an open day to day, um, I was just sort of so aware that everything has absolutely stopped growing. You know, all the leaves are gone. And there's a kind of barrenness and bareness and emptiness and coldness about winter in the garden. But when spring comes, you know, things just burst and leaves come and there's most dramatic change, you know, even more dramatic in Japan, 
and not so dramatic here in New Zealand and the North Island. But when there's a change of season from the winter to the spring, then you see so much happening and there's that great sort of alteration. Now, what I wanted to tell you today, you know, an introduction to this sort of simple point, simple question, what is true faith? Uh, has to do with what's going on in the ministry of Jesus here. There's been a most astonishing, dramatic sort of shift in the way that he's operated as a person, as a, as a minister, and as a speaker, and, and a great man uh, in his little country of Judea. Up till then, you know, he'd been three years operating, teaching, discipling, uh, working miracles, but very, very often he would withdraw to uh, lonely places and he would not seek particularly publicity. That's what really was going on over those, over those three years where he was sort of wishing not to be really so visible. He wanted to kind of, as it were, downplay uh, his ministry over those opening three years of his time when he was such a public figure. But here, uh, at this point, there's with Lazarus, with the, uh, the miracle of Lazarus, and with this entering into Jerusalem, there's, an, there's a big shift as with winter to, to spring. You know, there's a shift now where Jesus is actually, as it were, seeking publicity. He wants to be seen. He wants people to hear he wants to be the center of their attention and he wants to keep their attention on him until his glorification, until his cross, until his resurrection, until his ascension. At this point in his ministry, and we're talking about right at the very end of his ministry, he's really, as it were, come out of the closet and he's seeking quite deliberately publicity so that many people would now see him and hear him and see what he does and see how he operates as a leading teacher. And this is what he does with um, you know, the, the, he, the raising to light of Lazarus in chapter 11. You notice there, you know that he, remember now, he waited for four days until there was a, until it, he was, Lazarus that was, was thoroughly dead and people were thoroughly conversant with the fact that he had not come and that Lazarus was dead. You know, only then did he come into the village and then the whole village and many people who come from the capital city of Jerusalem, only a few miles away, were there to see him do something truly dramatic when he actually, with a word, called a dead man to life again. And he did that before a considerable audience. Now here, in this passage that I read you in chapter 12, when he entered into Jerusalem, it's even on a grander scale, uh, that there, it says that the great crowd you know, was uh, there in Jerusalem and was aware of his entering into Jerusalem as he did. Do you know the, um, the Jewish historian Josephus, uh, who lived and operated and wrote, at the time 
of the crucifixion and at the time of the ministry of Christ. His writings, by the way, are one of the only uh, writings outside of the Bible which refer directly to the life and ministry of Jesus. Now Josephus reckoned at the Passover, and this is the Passover that's taking place in chapter 12, at the Passover in 66 AD, when he was present in Jerusalem at the Passover, he reckoned, by his reckoning, and he may well have been out somewhat, he reckoned 2.7 million people had come into Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. Jews came from all parts of the empire, uh, as they did with Ramadan, you know, as they do with Mecca. They came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Now, even if Josephus had grossly overestimated the number of people at 2.7 million, which he did, still, it must have been a massive number of people who were aware that day that Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, coming into Jerusalem. So many people were aware at this point in chapter 11 with regard to Lazarus, in chapter 12 with regard to his entering into Jerusalem. Many, many people were aware that he was who he claimed to be. He was claiming, claiming to be the a number of things and he wanted he wanted people to be aware of those great claims he wanted for example for them to be aware that he was a king they shouted that he was a king but he was a king of a different kind in that he rode on a little donkey on a baby donkey into Jerusalem and the prophet Zechariah whose prophecy at this point is being quite deliberately fulfilled by Jesus, mentions that this king is of a gentle kind. You know, he wants people to be aware of that. In chapter 11, he wants people to be aware that he is the creative life of the universe. By his word, he can call death to life. He can call a man from the grave to life. And he wants, certainly as it moves on in this little book of John, he wants people to see that he's the glorified one, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, that considerably important thing in the New Testament, and that he was raised to life again. All of those things. He wants the eyes of the world to be on him. And he wants the world to notice these things particularly. Now what was the effect of all of that? Well, the effect was that people believed. They believed and that was, that's his, his, his aim uh, in working these miracles and with all of his ministry. As we see in chapter 11 verse 42, just over the page. It specifically mentions that that was his goal, that they believed in him. Now, I want you just to think a little bit about why they believed. And I want you to work with me, with the Bible, just for a moment or two, and look at chapter 11, verse 45, and then we'll move into chapter 12. Just a few references here to see why it was, what it was that caused them to believe. 
In chapter 11, verse 45, it says, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in Him. You see that? Yes, that's, that's of interest. Here's another one here in chapter 12 and verse 9 to 11. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of Him, but also to see Lazarus, whom He had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of Him, Lazarus, Many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in Him. And then in verse 17 and 18 of the passage that we read this morning, Now the crowd that was with Him, Jesus, when He called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that He had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet Jesus. Now, if you consider all of that, um, you can see that there's one common factor in each of those references. Do you notice that? And the common factor is that they believed when they saw the miracles. Is that right? That the miracle is what led them to believe on Jesus Christ. And there's a suggestion there in verse 18 that we read, just looking at it, at it again in chapter 12. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. There's a suggestion there, isn't there, in all of these references, as there is in other parts of John, that there's a flaw in their faith, that they believed on the basis of, of the miracle itself and that is actually spoken of and referred to in chapter 6 and in chapter 2 of John where Jesus in chapter 2 particularly interestingly sort of it's pointed out by John that they believed and those that believed were not trusted in by Jesus Christ they believed because of the miracle he subsequently um, did not in the next verse entrust himself to them such a, 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 an interesting connection there that Jesus um, sees the potential flaws the potential weaknesses and was not at that point even though it says they believed prepared to entrust himself to them now when you look at this passage here you can see this crowd you know palms crying hosanna you know crying out king but you know what's really going on in their hearts um, probably what was referred to in chapter 6 of john they were wanting something political you know they were wanting something nationalistic they weren't wanting the king that Jesus intends for the world to accept and receive. They were wanting another king. They weren't wanting the king that he was intent on presenting to the world. And that's why in chapter 12, we see Jesus quite specifically. And in Matthew, Mark and Luke, the first sort of four, three Gospels, 
And a great deal is made of the point that Jesus specifically arranged for that cult, that little donkey, that baby donkey to be found. He invested time and effort into the securing of that donkey. He wanted that donkey. That donkey is not written by great kings with arms and political power. Kings don't ride donkeys. But Jesus rides the donkey. Jesus rides the little baby donkey. Jesus is a gentle king. Jesus has nothing to do with the political and nationalistic aspirations of people in this world who want for Jesus Christ to be the great political figure of this world. He has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. He's not a pilot. He's not an emperor. You know, he's not Tiberius or Augustus of Bible times. He's entirely different. So, you know, what I'm saying here in an introduction to this point, which is very brief right at the end about what is true faith, and I'll give it the answer to you. Jesus, I want to say, is, is really questioning what's going on there in their hearts. He, he, he's, he's, not, he's not persuaded by appearances and by words. And so we should, we should too be questioning of, of our own faith. I was just rummaging around the Bible this morning and looking for that verse. It's in 2 Corinthians. Examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. You know, that's what we should be doing as Christian people. We should be always, always asking ourselves, where are we? Are we in Christ? You know, is our life an encouragement for us to believe that we're in Christ? Do we truly believe Him? Do we truly love Him? Who loves Him? but a person who obeys him. Are we that kind of person? So Jesus, he rightly questions people and uh, he's, he's searching, he, he knows the heart. He's searching the heart for something more profound uh, than a faith which is based merely upon some spectacular occurrence in this world. I know, you know, as a famous uh, reformed Swiss theologian Zwingli says, uh, he spoke of, you know, there being degrees and increases of faith. I know that's true, you know. I know that we begin with little faith and we grow you know, in our faith. And we ought to grow in our faith. But that aside, that's true, you know. It's also true that we should always sort of go through our hearts and lives, really on a, on a regular basis, and ask, why is it that we believe? Why have we come to Jesus Christ? What are we wanting Him to do for us? You know, the amazing thing, if you turn to chapter 12, verse 37, the amazing, astonishing thing is, after all this spectacular event that one saw in, in the raising of Lazarus and with all the other miracles and the majesty of Christ's life and conduct, that the, that the dominant general response from people of his day was to not believe. You know that? That's an amazing thing. So some believed, but even there their belief may not have been of the sound kind. The majority, even with Lazarus alive, staring them in the face, they still did not believe. 
on our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, what is true faith? What is that? What are we looking for in church? What are we wanting people to do in church? What are we wanting you, my friend and my, my sister and brother, what do we want you to do in this church, because of this church, in this church today? We want you to build your faith entirely upon our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's resting there. And like a building, you know, a house, it's resting entirely and absolutely on the foundation of Christ's words and Christ's death and resurrection. You know, the house is not built on some other part other than that foundation. It's built fair and squarely on the foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what do we want you to believe in about Jesus? We want you to set aside entirely every idea of a, fl a flag-waving saviour, a political saviour, you know, a nationalistic saviour, a saviour that's for the, the Western world, for America, whatever. That, that saviour is not a biblical saviour. We want you to find in Jesus Christ and know that Jesus is a king with a kingdom that's not of this world. He's a different king. He's a gentle king. doesn't come on a great horse or in a chariot, but he rides on a baby donkey. We want you to believe on our Lord Jesus Christ who can call the dead to life just with a word as he did with Lazarus. We want you to believe that Jesus is the creator of all things. And I was just reminded in an email today from a man, an 80-year-old man in the United States, that the fact that Jesus is the creator is fundamental to understanding the book of John. It's established there right at the outset in chapter 1, in verse 2 or 3, that he made the world, and there he is, making life and giving life to Lazarus. Do you understand? That's tremendously important. That's what we're calling you to. We're calling you to the gentle king whose kingdom is not of this world and yet whose kingdom has encroached into this world in that his kingdom is in our hearts and lives. And then I want you to believe that he's the creative word. He's God. I want you also to believe that he's sovereign. You know, he doesn't let anyone drive him around and force him and pressurize him. He was never dragged to the cross. Jesus was not dragged to the cross. Jesus chose the cross. Jesus set the timeline for the raising of Lazarus. He came when he wanted to. Jesus chooses his conveyance into Jerusalem. He chose the donkey. He went to this trouble. He did this. He's not driven or, or pressured by any people or by crowds or politicians, Pilate, anybody you can think of. Nobody pushes him around. And I want you to believe that Jesus is obedient to death. That's certainly where all of this is leading to. It's all leading to the cross. 
He's moving to the cross. He, a long while before this, turned his face to Jerusalem because nothing was going to get in the way of him and the cross. And Peter tried, you know, to deflect him and stop him. But he, he, he rounded on him and saw him as devilish because he attempted to get in the way of him and the crucifixion and the resurrection which is necessary for our life. This is the sort of faith that we want you to come to. We want you to believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why the little book of John, and the Bible is made of 66 different books, the little book of John was written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in His name. That's why it's so imperative that you believe, you must believe, you know? You must believe, because if you don't believe on our Lord Jesus Christ, there is no life. So pray for yourself. And as I pray for you, you pray for yourself that God would, in His goodness and grace, get through all the sort of mess and the fog, you know, of your thinking and your prejudices, get through all of that and lead you simply by the hand to the Bible, to believe in the message of the Bible and the one of the Bible, our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray now. You join with me as I pray. Lord God, today we come here on this very wet and wintry morning. We come to you as the sovereign Lord, as the Lord that made the heavens and the earth, as the gentle king of the worlds, and as the one uh, who can turn death into life. We come to you in all these ways, and we ask, Lord, that you would do something wonderful in our lives. The trouble is, Lord, we're so filled with our own thinking, we're so stubborn, we're so unwilling to even think deeply about the message of the Bible, and we, we want you to do work in our hearts today, and we want you to turn us to Jesus Christ, that we would believe and trust in Him. Do bless us now as we have the Lord's Supper. Thank you so much for the opportunity of being able to think particularly of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and the glorification of Jesus. Help us to enjoy these moments in the church today. Amen. Hey, let's just stand and sing in response.